Yeah, so we wanted to target consumers that were otherwise unbankable or underbanked by the existing ecosystem. Now, when we say unbanked or underbanked, we don't just mean you know segments of the population that um, just don't have a lot of earning capabilities. You know, one of the big insights that we have learned is that financial stress does not discriminate. You can be a millionaire in New York or San Francisco and still be under severe financial stress, and you could still be severely underbanked. You may uh, have a very high earning capability, but there may be something in your past that is um, just not congruent with how a bank underwrites a credit product or investing product or how they holistically look at you. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. We're kicking off a new series here on the podcast called Blocks. In this series, we're turning to entrepreneurs and professionals who are building the next generation of financial services leaders to understand better how they did it. How did they start with a big audacious idea and execute on it? What were the techniques and tools they used to take their businesses to the next level? We want to drill down and understand the building blocks of their business, from their first target audience, to building the tech, to acquiring customers, making partnerships, and expanding internationally. Our first guest is Money Lions founder and CEO, D. Chaubet. Money Lions' roots were in personal finance management, and the firm rode its early success into an expansion into general banking services. Dee discusses how he determined what would be his first initial target audience and where the opportunity was to serve them. We talk about how important this early focus is and how it helps serve the business as it grows. Money Lions' Dee Chaubet is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. My name is Dee Chaubet. I'm the founder and CEO of Moneyline. Moneyline is a digital bank. We're servicing the hardworking um, members of our community, really hardworking Americans um, throughout the United States today. And I, you know, before we hop into what Moneyline is and, and who your audience is, I'm curious to know, uh, how does a banker start up a uh, startup bank? That's funny you say that. You know, I spent 12 years in investment banking. Uh, prior to um, you know, starting Moneyline. And really, I had a front row seat to the evolution of a lot of the different business models, not only here in the United States and consumer finance, um, but across the world. And what we saw from the early 2000s um, through the LBO boom in the mid-2000s, which led to the financial crisis, uh, or which at least you know um, contributed to the financial crisis. It wasn't just the LPO boom. It was you know how we were underwriting mortgages and you know how um, the incentive structures were aligned. Um, we had one clear observation, uh, and that observation was that the digital transformation that was taking shape in Silicon Valley, um, in e-commerce, in social media, consumers were really learning how to interact with their digital lives. Consumers were getting very comfortable with um, sharing online, they were getting comfortable with transacting online. Um, if you think about 2019, you don't have to go that far back to remember that in 2009, 2008, putting your social security number on a web form was a big deal, and most Americans didn't do it. Um, but e-commerce and what happened with the transformation around Google, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, educated consumers um, and one of the insights that we had sitting inside the largest banks, City, Goldman Sachs, Barclays, was that that transformation was going to come to banking and we wanted to have a role in uh, creating the digital 
platform of the future, the customer acquisition platform of the future, and more importantly, the customer retention platform of the future. So we always wanted to think about, we always had this uh, idea of really thinking about what does a bank look like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. And we always had this idea that the bank should be a lifestyle play, that it shouldn't be just a rote bank account or a rote ability to offer um, an investment product or a lending product, but rather it should be a community. It should be where someone belongs to and ultimately something that allows them to spend less time on finances because they're, they're learning, they're, te- they're getting taught by the data of the community. And really the confluence of um, you know, a lot of the API economy, the data that now we can leverage, uh, really starting to take place in the early 2010s. Um, and that's really the vantage point we had when we thought about um, you know, why leave the incumbent institutions and really start it from scratch. Great. So, so taking that as context, like when you started um, thinking about starting Money Lion, um, who who was the end target? Like who were you? Who did you think at that point was the end target? Um, why target them? Yeah. So we wanted to target consumers that were otherwise unbankable or underbanked by the existing ecosystem. Now, when we say unbanked or underbanked, we don't just mean you know, segments of the population that um, just don't have a lot of earning capabilities. You know, one of the big insights that we have learned is that financial stress does not discriminate. You can be a millionaire in New York or San Francisco and still be under severe financial stress, and you could still be severely underbanked. You may uh, have a very high earning capability, but there may be something in your past that is um, just not congruent with how a bank underwrites a credit product or investing product or how they holistically look at you. So we always wanted to be uh, a player in the data space. We wanted to aggregate a lot of data. Uh, One of the strengths of the company really was uh, some of my co-founders who were all analytics focused. Um, Our CTO was a preeminent expert in machine learning. He'd been doing it since the 1990s. Um, He actually built uh, a startup before this where they were doing simulations, uh, war simulations for the government um, in the Middle East, and it was, you know, it was oft used. Um, and really, we wanted to bring that capability of using data science to untangle financial stress, not just for people who had low earnings, but even for people uh, that, were, that, that, had a, that had the capability of really earning a lot of money, but still were left out of traditional banking services. So we wanted to really use the data of behavior to make underwriting decisions. But what we realized at the beginning was um, just being a data player was not enough. You had to actually offer the custom, a direct to customer product. So in our case, you know, we started off by using um, writing loans as a beachhead to building the digital bank. Um, and our ability to use uh, untraditional data sources and bank transaction data uh, behavior data, um, you know, and what's happening in the recent from a, a recent history of this consumer from a velocity perspective to underwrite credit allowed us to target a large swath of the American population that was financially stressed. And if you remember 2011, 2012, 2013, um, folks had uh, foreclosures on their history, high ability to pay, but the bank still would not be able to offer products to them because 
they were relying on a FICO score that said, hey, four years ago or five years ago, this consumer um, may have had a problem with a credit card or not a loan or a mortgage. But, you know, as we got out of that black swan event, people's balance sheets and P&Ls were recovering. And our ability to really capture that user base that was financially stressed but recovering allowed us to build a large user base that you see today. That's interesting. And I assume over time, there might have been pressure to, uh, to expand your focus. Um, ha- have you expanded your focus or how did you fight against sort of that urge to, to sort of you know, be more inclusive? So all of, our, um, all of our expansion, whether it be segments, whether it be features, whether it be surrounding the consumer with so much value that they don't leave our ecosystem, all comes down to what we see in our data. Um, you know, we, we, we see the need for certain financial products from certain segments. Um, and when we see a critical mass of it, we will think about expanding and offering that solution either through third parties um, and in, in extreme situations ourselves. So if you look at our evolution for the first three years, we were, you know, monoline lending company. And we really learned how to lend money, um, how to convince consumers to pay us back. Um, and we really built a scale of a very scaled lending operations. Three years into the business, we started um, you know, really integrating financial advice and financial planning to the consumers that we were lending to. And we were, you know, the, the big insight though from the data that we got was consumers are generally okay nine months out of the year. They make a little bit more than they uh, spend. Uh, and in those months, if they're able to put some dollars away, um, whether it's as little as fifty dollars. As, as much as $500 or $1,000, they actually create collateral for us to be able to lend to them at even lower rates in those three months when uh, financial shocks occur in the American household. And they invariably do, and the data will suggest that, you know, it's usually around the holidays or um, sometimes over the summer that American families go through that massive financial stress, that shock. Um, and that's really where we wanted to make sure that our credit products were available uh, throughout the year to these consumers. But that's, you know, that the data really has guided how we have um, added orthogonal products uh, to our feature set. And in doing so, the customer segment has expanded. So when we launched um, our financial planning and our investment management capabilities, it was really geared towards um, the, the segment that I just mentioned, the, the consumer that has nine months of decent um, financial performance for three months of massive deficits. But we realized that in doing so, um, one of the unintended consequences was we started attracting a segment that was just coming for investing. And we started learning from their behavior. And a year later, we realized, okay, you know, um, the, the confluence of these two segments really needs a next generation digital banking solution where we can eliminate the business model of inertia. We were seeing in the aggregate data, the average consumer was spending $97 every six months in bank fees, whether it be NSF fees, overdraft fees, commission fees, um, and just sort of the, the, the risk premium that the banks charge, the existing the incumbent banks charge for offering their branch networks. If you calculate the top 10 banks in any 12 months in their 10Ks about for, for, for how much um, you know, revenue they've generated from NSF fees, commission fees, overdraft fees, um, that's in the hundreds of billions of dollars for just the top 10 banks. And if you tax affect that and, and apply the forward earnings multiple on that, you can just see how much of uh, bank market cap is supported by this fee stream. 
And we believe that that fee stream is worth targeting with better technology, lower cost of service, more transparency, more use of machine learning uh, to these consumers. Um, and really, you know, that's how the business has evolved over time. And I guess how important looking in retrospect, how important um, was the choice of each specific audience as, as you've grown uh, to your success today? You know, I, I think really focusing on financial stress has been, you know, the, the theme that has, uh, you know, really been consistent over the years. Um, you know, if you're in the top 1% and your balance sheet and your ability to earn are uh, very, very robust, uh, we're a fun and good and sleek solution for you, but we're, but you're, you probably have many other options, but for the customer, and you know 90 million americans self-identify as being financially stressed so we think the audience is large but if you're someone who um has anything that's variable whether it's your savings that are variable your savings rate sometimes you save sometimes you don't we are the solution for that customer if your paycheck is variable um you know one of the segments that we do really well with are anyone in the gig economy um anyone that um you know, is working many jobs. And we're seeing that in California, for instance, um, there are, you know, freelancers that are that have an incredibly high earning capability. We are the right solution for them because the banks, uh, because the variability for them really doesn't fit inside, fit, fit, fit inside a bank. Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, freelancers, guild workers, union workers, these are um, really our target audience from, uh, from, from a customer base perspective. And you'll also see, um, you know, high earners as segments as well that are, that are just looking for a better, more integrated platform where the bank account uh, is built on the same technology set as the investing capability and the borrowing capability. So um, while, you know, the, the segments are diverse, it's really still built for the segment of customers that uh, have some variability in either their savings rate or in their earning capability. So I guess in, in the remaining time we have, uh, I'm curious, what do you think, Dee, that you've done well at Money Lion um, that has helped you either at a product or marketing level get closer to exactly the, the target audience that you've described? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I think we're always uh, focused on um, this idea that, um, getting paid um, and saving for those three months where consumers are going to have that deficit creates a, um, a big mental mind share on many of our members. And just kind of really understanding that insight around helping around Thursday and Friday, helping in those weeks when uh, we're not getting paid uh, from a credit perspective, and then really um, having a conversation around literacy around what should you be doing um, you know, in your 20s to get better in your 30s and in your 30s to get better in your 40s and so on and so forth, um, has resonated that you know, folks have a very complex relationship with their financial lives. Um, oftentimes they don't want to interact with it because sometimes it's not good news. So from a product perspective, we have uh, incorporated probably every single uh, theory from behavioral economics to really um, affect behavior change from a interaction perspective. And we're seeing from outcomes that Moneyline members 
from when they start to when they finish, inc uh, increase their credit score by 40 points. They become wealthier. They, their savings rate gets higher. Um, and it's around those ideas and those principles and those themes of financial stress that we really coalesce our product strategy of acquiring, retaining, and delivering, and retaining um, the best value proposition that the middle-income household has out there today. And what about from a messaging point of view, um, you know, either from the language on the site or some of the outbound marketing, um, has that, can you give some examples of how, how yeah. that focus on that audience has impacted uh, your community? Yeah, the message is all about community. Um, and, you know, the message that we want to give to our members is that you're not in it alone. Um, you know, Americans, you know, our CMO does a great job talking about this from a messaging perspective, but Americans have never worked harder. If you think about you know, the past generations, the ones that have built our infrastructure or, or the tallest towers in America, the, the longest bridges, uh, if you look at that generation, we're working harder than even them. And we're working longer in our lives. Um, so the messaging for our members is all around. You're not in it alone. There's a very powerful Moneyline community that's going to help you every day, um, whether that's with smoothing your uh, income through credit products or just getting you on a path to you know, really thinking about retirement or your goals. Uh, it's the communities uh, and the community contributes. Their, their biggest contribution is their data. They will opt in to anonymize um, their spending data, their saving data, their investing data into insights that, you know, hey, 30-year-olds are doing this in New York. 40-year-olds are behaving in a certain way on, in Ohio. Um, here are four steps you can do to, to, to really right-size your financial life and your financial balance sheet uh, to be more like these, um, you know, these best members of our community. And here are four tips and here are four options for us to help. That message of community is really resonating and that's really why we're seeing success in our user growth.